motorcycles and misfits at the recycle garage in santa cruz california we have a really really fucking full house tonight um this is megan i'm hosting this week and my co-host zach across the way say hi hello um tonight let's see we've got Faye. hi everyone mason hey what's up cat hola moti hi rebecca ciao antonio knock <laughs> <laughs> Full house of full of fucking. Is it? <laughs> yes. Uh, Douglas. Present. John. You took my joke, Doug. <laughs> and you used it Liza. <laughs> oh, and, and Lucas is here, but he's not. We've yeah. we've put him off in the corner for Thanks. this week. <laughs> yeah. To the uh, benefit of right our now? listeners, like Lucas does not have a microphone. Tonight, yes. So. Yeah. We decided to do you all a favor. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, play like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so what did we do today? Start talking about chemtrails. Who or worked something? on bikes today? Uh, <laughs> did anyone work on? <laughs> Lucas, shut up! Today. You don't have a mic. Um, did anyone work on bikes today? Voice, I did. Doug did. What did you do? I worked on two bikes today. What did you do? Uh, I did some carb work on the XR 650R. And how did that go? It it runs a little better, I guess. Yeah. Turns out, like after I did a complete carb rebuild and, and cleaned it and everything, and then uh, just from sitting in the driveway for a month. Uh, a bunch Is that of water. how long it's been in the driveway? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, a bunch of water got in and just gunked up the carbs again, so okay. I just pulled everything. and It's mm-hmm. going to be a slow process of jetting it properly, um, but it's, it's getting there. Cool. And then just cleaning it because it looks like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Liza, you were doing valves, right? I did valves on the XR280, which doesn't seem to start any better. No. So I don't and know. Smoke and apparently I don't own a spark plug wrench that will fit down into that hole. <laughs> so <laughs> there's another tool on my list. Gotcha. John, did you raise your hand? You didn't work on anything today, did you? I did too. What did you do? I tried to extract a broken bolt out of an SV650. What? Huh? <laughs> Who's SV650? I don't know. Some dude. Sounds vaguely Desmond familiar, huh, Megan? Oh, Desmond came by. Oh, okay, cool. He must have come by when I was it's not here. Awesome. He also half amputated his finger in the process. Oh. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> what happened? Um, well, he was working a chainsaw. He poked himself. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. It was I mean, a superficial cut. It was okay. a really hard time. Was, <laughs> was the motorcycle okay? He lost like two quarts of blood. No, it was not okay. So um, I drilled it and was tapping it out and actually broke the bolt again. Uh, we extracted half the bolt and oh, the, uh, the other half is still stuck. That sucks. Well, yeah, exactly what bolt was it? Sucks. Oh, it holds on the um, brake master cylinder. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. And then, Zach, I think Liza wrangled you into working on something today. I'm, I yes. Finished. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> well, I, 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 I also diagnosed an, a fuel injection trouble code on a GSXR 750. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, so what was the problem? Uh, the owner, the, the owner's fucked. <laughs> uh, that would be Lucas. That would be Lucas. And, yeah, Zach, what were you wrangled into doing today? Uh, well, I saw you push out the bike, and I, I want to say like, that uh-oh. Zach got the knock award for being most helpful today. Thank I, you, Zach. I, I did. I, I explained uh, engine types, V twin, P twin, and transmission dynamics, and how all that stuff works to Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and also looked at that. I don't know what what bike it is, but that t- that weird ten speed Honda CB nine hundred nine hundred C nine hundred C. That's what it is. Um, in hopes to do some work on it and get it fixed up and maybe add it to my collection. Not sure. No, no. Don't, We're shaking our heads child. at you. Don't don't bother. Yeah. We'll Dear see. God, don't. <laughs> Liza, don't give me that look. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, oh, you want it gone? It's a wonderful bike. Thank you. <laughs> You'd love it. Yeah. Um. Well, I did. I washed my bike. I pulled a Lucas and I washed my bike today. Um, did you get it, any squirrel marks on it? I did. Um. And then I also pulled the carb off my XR two hundred and I cleaned it. it. I by and by cleaning, I mean I like squirted it with some brake fluid or brake brake cleaner. Whatever and, you did, um, it it seemed to work. It seemed to work. And now, I, yeah. Now the. Uh, the uh, idle adjust works. Works, yeah. And it runs well. So yeah. I don't know what our problem was in at Hollister, but I have no idea. I don't know. Um, and I got brake cleaner in my eye, so always Ooh. welcome always to the club. Welcome yeah. to the yeah. club. Well, to be fun. fair, it's it's actually eye spray that you clean carburetors with. Oh. That's usually what happens when <laughs> okay. you have brake cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> did anyone else do anything? Mason, did you work on anything? Nope. Okay, cool. Well, it was... In this garage or other garages? I don't fucking know, dude. Any garage. What did you do today? <laughs> I was uh, taking the crankshaft out of my uh, B-bike today. Oh, wow. Okay. So, oh, shit. Yeah. Why, why did you stutter? Your b-bike? A b-b-b-bike because I, I st- stutter. Leave him alone. He's nervous. So, the real topic we kind of wanted to talk about today, Liza tasked me with this because... Liza's an old person and doesn't remember what it's like to be a new writer. I don't think I ever was. Yeah. And so she wanted me to <laughs> wrangle some new writers together and talk about what it's like uh, getting into motorcycling and um, just starting out. It can be kind of scary. It can be in- intimidating. Um, so uh, besides the peanut gallery of like Knock, Doug, John, Liza, and Moti, everyone here has been writing for under like a year and a half. I want to say. Um, uh, I've been writing for three years. You don't. You don't count. You're not in yeah. the podcast. Um, <laughs> We're all pretending. Oh, Antonio, but you're not. You're a little more in the. Oh my god. You're an old on the guy. outside of the gallery. <laughs> yeah. but, I died um, three years ago, and they haven't put the dirt on me yet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, but Zach, I think you wanted to ask the first question of everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think a good question to kind of begin the discussion is what was. What was your expectation of riding versus actually getting on a bike and getting out there and and doing? I remember talking for me. For me, I remember talking to Mason at some point. And we had a similar experience of you, you know, you'd go and you'd sit on bikes before you rode them. Uh oh! Someone <laughs> puts a dollar in the jar. Mason. Womp womp. Sorry. Go on, but uh. Zach. You know, you sit on you sit on bikes, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I can totally imagine what this would be like to, to ride this thing." Oh yeah, and then you know, it, first time I ever got on one, it was like, "Whoa, that's totally different than I thought it was going to be," and it's awesome, but it's totally different. So I just like to hear other people's experiences. That totally reminds me of when I first tasted a snackable. The future, but it is just horrible sodium. Is yeah. Wow. That's That's sodium and disappointment. <laughs> snackables guy by now. Lucas, shut up. <laughs> yeah, we're all pretending you're not here. Why can't you do the same? 
You gotta be like Harry Potter. You're gonna be upstairs in your room pretending you don't exist, right? Isn't that what he says a million times? <laughs> so go for it. Uh, I started out riding. Well, the first time I ever got on a motorcycle was on the back of one. I was riding bitch and. I was scared to death because my parents had instilled in me the fact that every motorcycle was a donor cycle and I was going to die. Like, if I even looked at one, I was going to die. It was just right there, I was going to die. So, after months of coaxing, I got on one and I was shaking so hard I almost fell off stationary. Get moving and I'm like, okay, I can, I can handle this. We're going five miles an hour. I put a five mile an hour cap on it. And... Ever since then, it's been like, oh, I want to go a little bit faster. I want to go do more things. And then I started riding. And it started out at like one mile an hour. And I killed it a lot. And I got really frustrated. <laughs> yeah, you did. And Was that here at the garage? Uh, Yeah, actually. Yeah. Doug taught me. I seem to recall the trembling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a very timid person. So riding was one of those things that I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I turned it on. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. We did the practice out here. and Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you did great. No, you I, I really got good. really frustrated. And I went home thinking that I had made a huge mistake and that this was not the freedom-seeking adventure that I had found. And it was just another thing that I was going to, like, just completely crap out on and then I came back and did it again and did it again and now that I'm in a semi like not riding state at the moment due to working a whole bunch and malfunctions I'm dying to get back at it and there's nothing that like I don't dream very much but there's definitely I dream about riding and that like throws me off and it gets like it gets into your bones. Did so, anyone expect for it to be that addicting? Like before you got mm-mm. into it? No, no. Yeah, my wallet didn't. Can I, can I just <laughs> ask a quick question? Uh, as a newbie, what are your riding dreams like? Uh, they're really like just kind of like shifting. Actually, like it's. <laughs> Just, like just actually like going through the motions and riding the motorcycle. Yeah, it's it's not even leaving uh, stoplights. And yeah, it's like shi- it's like getting shifting down and then shifting up, and it's like the process of releasing the clutch. And I- I'm with and you on perfect, that because right in your dreams, yeah, perfectly, yeah, never really stall. Well. And ever? my bike never drops a gear because it does that a lot. After the first time we went dirt biking. I didn't know if I wanted to continue or not, and I had dreams for two nights in a row mm-hmm. about dirt biking. I went, fuck. So I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Get. Yeah. But I think definitely, like, getting into riding, there's this expectation of, like, image and how cool it's going to be. And I think last time we were out dirt biking, I was asking people, like, what were you expecting? And a couple of the guys were like, chicks, brah. Like, duh, come on. <laughs> that was a down- disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of people don't realize like how much rocks hurt when they hit you in the chest. Um, how much bugs That's hurt? Why they were bugs hurt attackers. really bugs bad. Bugs hurt a lot worse than I ever Beatles thought they would. Are terrible. Um, and just how cold it is. Wind chill. I remember I was always a cold person, but um, it definitely gets a little colder. Or how about how hot it gets too? And, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, sweating. There's nothing like sweating your body weight in leathers like that. It just sucks. But at the same time, we we all still do it anyways. Um, and I don't know. I know Faye over here. Uh, you seemed to expect that you could kind of get on any bike and be totally <laughs> fine when you sent Doug an email asking 
interested in the Ninja 750 uh, that was for sale. <coughs> and we said, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, I was being a dumbass, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know, like, all I saw was like, oh, this bike looks really cool. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should, like, ask him if he wants to sell it. Yeah, I, I got, like, the initial email, which was, hey, I'm interested in the bike. And I said, what's your experience? He said, none, but... <laughs> I'm trust me when I say that I'm gonna take all the proper training courses, and I said uh, still no. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Didn't. There's no way the in hell I'm selling you. The first clue was that he was interested in that bike. Right. I said hell no. I'm not selling you this bike, but I will go with you and help you pick one out and teach you how to ride it. Yeah. And so that's. I feel like everyone does that to an extent. I mean, I know I sent Megan oh my like. God. A, thousand at least yeah you've sent me at least yeah you sent me so many craigslist yeah. ads if anyone like goes back through our facebook conversations yeah. that's all it is and yeah. all it is is craigslist ads and me going no yeah no nope. constant nope 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 nope, nope. nope. so nope. yeah it's everybody does it i think that's definitely a crucial learning uh chapter to starting to ride is having somebody be like you're a dumbass. You need to chill, chill your jets, and just kind of t- like realize where you are as a writer. I am not anywhere as a writer. I am like still trying to walk. <laughs> yeah. It's I no, and no I think it takes it takes somebody to be like, hey, you need to realize you're 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 not as good as you think you are, and you need to calm down and humble yeah gotta humble make, out. yeah make yourself humble you really have to yeah. have a, a certain level of discipline even just to get on and, and try and go over in the parking lot mm-hmm. if you don't you're gonna you're gonna mess something up but we're like that's of, true oh. at any level too i mean weren't you saying antonio that like when you're feeling the best on a dirt bike is right the moment before you crash i mean i have never said that in my life <laughs> Oh, dude! Right before you crash is the most awesome part. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like you're you're everything's feeling really really perfect. I'm just gonna push it a little bit harder, and yeah. suddenly it's Earth Sky, and my bike is in a ditch. Yeah, there's yes. a certain mental formula that I kind of use during my races that I get into a zone. Um, but once I've been in that zone for a while, and I and I know that I'm starting to uh, maybe just try a little bit something, a little bit extra, you know, a little bit more. Um, I realize that I'm about three turns away from doing something stupid and losing a bunch of time. Um, maybe ending up on my head or someone else's. So, yeah. What were some of the realities that shocked people? Because, like I said, it was the cold, it was the bugs that really shocked me. Mm-hmm. And that first time I went by an 18 wheeler, like the amount of air rushing by, oh, I remember gripping, like white knuckling the handlebars and like clinching up and going, oh my God, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time riding in the rain and tr- coming to a stop and sliding on the paint on the street yeah 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 that's scary the first time you do that i think how how just obscenely obtuse people can be about motorcycles and motorcyclists and how uh awful they can be just by being like oh i'm just gonna scoot over so he can't get in but to us that's oh my god somebody's ramming me off the road and that's what I see it as. Is somebody scooting over when I'm lane splitting in towards me? I'm like, oh shit, where am I gonna go? And people don't see it that way. At least drivers don't at all. Well, and some people do it on purpose. Too. Oh yeah, definitely. Soccer like, moms or jealous, do it. Or sat in traffic, they just stop you from lane splitting or something. It's like yeah, one of the previous motorcyclists that went through at blazing speeds. And now they're taking it out on you. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, but on the other hand, I also remember being a solo rider and breaking down, being on the side road and having a complete stranger on a bike pull over to help me. That's, I think, and realizing that you're part of this bigger thing. Parts of, I think, the motorcycle community is like people, the willingness to help each other. Um, so to kind of talk about, to give us something to talk about with the newbies, I invited Antonio down today. Uh, actually, can we back up one step? What? What? I, I have one on the previous conversation. I'm trying oh, to look through the wall. You need to speak up. You, you, I know. You Lucas. can't hear me. <laughs> okay. When I started riding, I thought that, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of friends that, that rode, I thought, pretty quick. Um, and I wanted to learn how to ride like that. But I thought my, after I got over the newbie bike, that my first bike was going to be a Harley Davidson and I was going to smoke people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, more thought, CCs you know, means you go get. faster, right? Well, I, it was just the Harley image, you know, and, and such. I, I don't know what kind We've of. I never guessed. Yeah. And, and fortunately, I had friends that were able to convince me that I was stupid. <laughs> we're still here on yeah. I appreciate that they still tell me this about. and it really helps out a lot actually but yeah I never went for the Harley I, I learned that uh, that was absolutely not what I was going for not, not the kind of machine to do what I wanted to do uh, which kind of brings up a question I wanted to ask you guys um, are you all riding the kinds of motorcycles that you thought you wanted to ride when you envisioned being a motorcycle rider no not at all no what, what did you want um well, I mean, I guess kind of. I wanted a uh, like a dual sport, and now I'm on a supermoto. So well, that's you know, it's pretty similar. It's though. similar, I guess, but I don't know. I imagined like a like a Honda 650, like uh, a, enduro, an XR. But I'm on a Yamaha you, what are you 426. Riding? Oh, well, that's pretty so, sweet, right? I mean, when I'm not on the Katana, <laughs> <laughs> the white whale. <laughs> uh, I kind of envisioned what I ride but now that I ride it I realized it's not at all what I want to ride uh, def I ride a Honda Rebel 250 and I was like oh yeah cruiser soft lol and comfortable and it's horrendously uncomfortable for me and I am definitely aiming towards something She's else. She's wrong. She just doesn't know what's right for her. Yeah. We found the right bike yeah, for sure. her. <laughs> no, that's that, that's fair that, that, that you don't know, but um, yeah. cruisers aren't as comfortable as people say, and sport bikes aren't as uncomfortable as people that's, say. That's yeah. I think true. it's also have, definitely how advantages. your body is shaped, too. Like, for some people with longer arms, cruisers are probably, like, way more comfortable, but I have T-Rex arms, and I'm leaning <laughs> forward and slouching and doing all this weird body posturing and... I definitely think there's something more comfortable out there for me. I think it you have to find the bike you fit. And sitting on a thousand bikes before you get a bike is definitely the way to go. I did not do that. I sat on like six and I was like, this is the one. And I said, this is the one before I even sat on it. So I saw it on Craigslist and I was like, this is the one. And I definitely recommend you sitting on a whole bunch and test riding and not buying the first one. You know, I, like, sorry, go ahead, John. No, you go for it, John. The DR350 did more of an upright riding style, mm -hmm. good for T-Rex arms. Yeah. Too bad your legs are short. I know. I have well, short legs, too. I'm, like, T-Rexed all around. I'm just screwed. can lower those. An inch would mean a lot. Yeah. And, I'm I mean... Saying, give it a shot since you already have one. It might be a perfect bike for you. Just get it lowered a little bit. Yeah. Are there knobbies on it right now? They're they're like they just kind of yeah they're dual, knobbies they're knobbies yeah. okay they're, yeah, you get they're a street wheel that that's gonna bring it down a little bit mm -hmm. more to a little street time. and there's seats that's the high seat I yes. know that and yes. so there's lower seats for that there are as ways well. to do it. 
There's multiple ways to lower it. And that's definitely more the bike now that I've ridden a little bit. I haven't ridden very much, but on the grand scheme of things, what is comfortable for me, I also broke my tailbone and that really made it evident (laughs) very quickly. The zero gravity bike would be perfect. I know. (laughs) The the one in South Park would be... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, We're obviously not talking about the potato. (laughs) Rebecca, what did you envision yourself riding? Honestly, I didn't really have much of a plan when I decided I wanted to ride a motorcycle. I was just like, I'm going to do that. And then I got my license and I spent the next few months trying to find a motorcycle to ride. And uh, the first one I almost... Actually, I got one. I had someone helping me, and he didn't give me very good advice about what a beginner should ride. And I got on it, and I just like fell over immediately multiple what, times. What, what was the bike? I don't even. It was a Honda, but it was really top heavy and really heavy in general. I don't remember what the was CCs were. Was it a sport were. bike or a, or what? It was like a gold wing. <laughs> <laughs> it was big. So I sold it. The trailer. And I made money off it. And I used that mm-hmm. to uh, get a little one. Mm-hmm. Because I recalled going to the class and riding a little bike. I was yeah. like, that's the way. And you're on a Nighthawk 250 now. And it's yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. 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 He looks really good on it, too. Mm-hmm. So Very comfortable. What I was getting at earlier was when... To give us stuff to talk about, uh, I invited Antonio down today mm. uh, because Antonio, not only is he good to look, nice to look at, but um, he also is a... What just happened? You're into fat guys. He's a very handsome man. You, you forget this video now, so they're going to look at it and go... <laughs> She must be she high or something. <laughs> if you've ever seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Total Recall, you know where he's on Mars and he takes the helmet off and his eyes start bugging out. And he starts getting like puffy and fat. That's exactly what he looks like. I'm laughing so hard I can't even respond. To that. <laughs> so, Two Antonio, weeks. yeah, Two Antonio is weeks. a riding instructor, and uh, all of the newbies here have not actually taken the uh, motorcycle test to get their license. You can opt to the take DMV the MS, one. yeah, the DMV one. You can opt to take the MSF course, which has a riding portion, and if you pass that, you basically get your license. So, wait, wait, wait. You oh, get out of here! You, you do have yes, to take a written test def- as well. Yes, you, you and you to, have to yeah. wait six months to get your your uh, license after getting your MSF course and permit uh, to if you're under 21, which they don't tell anyone, and that's my gripe of the day. <laughs> they don't even give you your permit right away. They give you your permit if you have your MSF course completed, okay. and you have the paperwork that they take three like three months to send. But. Anyways, none of us have done the lollipop, which is often, like, a lot of people kind of are afraid of the lollipop. It's uh, got kind of a tight turn. It's about 19 and a half feet. That's what... Yeah, the inside the, diameter. Yeah, of the inside diameter is about 19 circle. feet. Uh, I don't know if it's just a California thing. Is it a California thing, the lollipop, or is it yeah. 50 states? When I, I was, have no idea. When I was in Connecticut, we had nothing like that. So, you, it was for the people who don't know, it's how, how wide is that circle? 19 and a half feet. 19 and a half the feet. The inner diameter. And then I'm not sure what the outer one is. And then instead of one popsicle stick, there'd be two popsicle sticks at about two-thirds the side of, of each side of the circle coming down. About, what, 40 feet? 
or so. I'm not good at. I don't know. Yeah, probably, probably about really that. Sure. So you, yeah, you go up the one side, you do a couple loops, and then come back down in between the other two mm-hmm. lines. So there's actually two. There's that, and then uh, down those two lanes after you head towards the circle. Um, they put cones on and yeah, you go the around slalom the cones thing. as well. You do a slalom and then do the circle. I so actually kind of two tests. I did do the DFB <laughs> test. I, didn't, I never did the MSF, so I actually had to go do the the lollipop thing. And That's why you're a good rider. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my idea was to have Antonio come out and have a bunch of people do the lollipop, and then have him kind of critique and instruct, and have people compare their first lollipop before having any sort of instruction. A critiquing period and then do the lollipop again and see how that changed so people who did the lollipop please speak up because I watched and I helped Antonio out um, speak up about what your thoughts were on that <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I did better the first time or not but the second really? time around <laughs> the second time around I dropped it so if that's anything to go by um, it felt better the second time how though. exactly I'll did say you that. drop it were you going too slow? It, it was no. a. He, he was looking. Yeah, it's like oh. No, I, I leaned over too far because I guess I was concentrating too much on gripping or not looking where I was going. His focus well, was. Why would was you too not much. look where you were going? <laughs> well, ask Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, Antonio, Antonio, did you instruct him to not look where he was going? Yeah. So, so going into this, we we had them all do it once, uh, once or twice, uh, at, at the very start of this. And the, the, Megan and I both watched, and the main things that we observed were people mostly looking down at their front tire, at the ground in front of them as they were going around. They weren't looking through the the circle, the turn, right? Um, and also, uh, they weren't gripping the bike. They were they were loose with their with their lower legs, with the lower half of their body, which they should be using to get a purchase of the motorcycle. Instead, they were loose with that and just manhandling the bars. And, and just adding way too much steering input. And because they weren't gripping onto the motorcycle, their body weight was flopping around and they had to compensate with the steering. Uh, so they weren't acting as a unit. Um, so, the, you know, going around the circle was like, you know, it was like it was a, a slalom around the circle, maybe. Um, and that was the first time around. It was, it was pretty sloppy. Yeah. yeah. Was, it, mine was sloppy it as was hell when really I think about sloppy. it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Doug's experience, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting too because having spent like that whole what was it eight six to eight hours working with you Antonio, um, oh, it felt it like really a week. it yeah. It, felt, <laughs> um, it was interesting seeing it from the other perspective and your perspective, um, and I could definitely see and witness other people doing what you'd instructed me not to do, and that was really helpful for me. Um, and I just want to point out too that Zach, who was on the cruiser, mm-hmm. that people might say would be least able to do the lollipop probably did the best the first time around and was the smoothest going i mean it was very impressive yeah uh, there was oh, also thanks. one other thing that you gotta yeah. add into that he, he was very smooth and he was doing a lot of he was actually doing more of the looking and gripping that we were kind of teaching to uh, before we even did the instruction portion but also that bike as far as a cruiser is not a heavy cruiser no. and the wheel uh, uh, wheelbase. The wheelbase is is a lot shorter uh, than than typical cruisers. So yeah, that, that made it more. That pliable. thing feels really nimble to me. Yeah. Speak but up, you did really guys. Good. Go for it. Well, Becca. Uh, you know the it was really helpful for me having that instruction because it's been like a year since I actually took the course, 
and I hadn't driven before I took the course. So for me, when I actually took that MSF, I was just trying to figure out how to get from first to second without stalling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I couldn't focus very much on all the things they were trying to teach. Of course, I remembered some of them. It's kind of intuitive. You're supposed to look up. You're supposed to have good posture, all these things. But to have someone tell you again, you're looking at the ground. Like, well, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to look at the ground. But to have someone tell you again, you just kind of need to hear that after having driven for several months, um, gotten comfortable on the street. It's very different working in a parking lot, going in a tiny circle than getting on the highway. Yeah. And I l- took a peek at all your guys' tires beforehand, and we did all, like, left-hand turns. After just, like, how long were we there? Half an hour? 40 about minutes? An hour. hour? I think it was about an hour. Hour? All of the chicken strips on your left-hand side were, like, significantly smaller just from, like, doing this lollipop over and over and over again. So you all kind of pushed it. And, like, Mason, even, I mean, you dropped it, but when you were doing some of the exercises, you were going, getting so low that there you ran out of tire to <laughs> ride on. Like, there was no, you couldn't have gotten... You had you would have had to lean your whole body off the bike to get yeah. down any lower, and so it kind of goes to show that just like Antonio yelling at you in the parking lot for a couple minutes uh, can make a big difference. <laughs> Great! Now I'm gonna want to hit every parking lot on the way from here to home and, and just start yell yelling at people. At people. <laughs> <laughs> look, this is my new thing. Look, you you're not Could looking you where you're going. <laughs> so I would like to ask the noobs. Um, when you first get into riding, what was the most intimidating thing you were scared of that hopefully you've gotten over now? I know for like, hey, Zach, remember when you were afraid to go on the freeway? <laughs> yeah. Uh, c- could I tell my lollipop story first? Yeah. Sure. So when I went to get my license um, at the DMV, uh, I, I did the traditional method, of <laughs> which is buy a motorcycle, ride it around, get pulled over three or four times without a license, and swear to God you were going to get a license officer this America! time. <laughs> uh, until you finally get sick of being pulled over and you go get your license. And don't forget, you buy your helmet at the flea market. Wait, they don't pull you over because you don't have a license. Why were you getting pulled over? Well, I don't know. Whatever. Reason. <laughs> Whatever. Because cause cops, man, they do that shit. Wheeling um, without a license. So so I go and I get my very first motorcycle uh, re-registered because it had been sitting in my garage for years. This I'd, I'd been riding for probably like six or seven years by this point. Um, so I went and got my old first bike re-registered because it was really small and short and easy to ride. What was it? Uh, is, it was a 79 Suzuki GS425. Okay. Anyway, so I go, roll on down to the DMV, and I'm with the instructor. And he says, okay, well, we need to go across the parking lot um, to where the, the keyhole or lollipop is so we can do the test. So I go, okay. So I start up the bike, and we're, we're going across the parking lot. And he's walking, right? And I'm with him riding. Uh, and I've got one hand on the bars and I'm kind of turned sideways, you know, and I've got, you know, I'm just kind of talking to him and telling him how long I've been riding and yada, 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 and my name and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, no big deal, real relaxed. And it comes time to do the testing. He says, okay, this is, you're going to think this is funny, but the first thing I need you to do is ride at a walking pace across the parking lot <laughs> to show me that you can do it. And he goes, I know this is ridiculous because we just did this. And I go, well, okay. And I couldn't do it. 
<laughs> because I was getting tested now, I could not do it. It took me 12 tries to ride across the parking lot. And the only reason he kept letting me try is because he witnessed me do it. Anyway. You always kept putting your foot down or what? Yeah, I kept putting my foot down. I kept wobbling. I couldn't get the thing to go in a straight line. It was, it was ridiculous. It sounds Megan, like what wasn't he doing? It wasn't, he wasn't like, gripping. Yeah. Sounds I was like he wasn't nervous gripping. Nervous as hell. Yeah. And he wasn't looking. I was nervous as hell. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Totally. Could not ride in a straight line. At a <laughs> what about the rest of it for you? How, how did the rest of the test go? Um, well, after I finally got over that and started to not be as nervous, um, I went out of the lines like twice, maybe uh, actually doing the circle. Um, and I did the solemn portion fine. Uh, so I, I think I ended up with like a score of like a 97 or something like that. Knock, did you do the MS? How did, did you do the lollipop? I did not do the lollipop. I took the MSF, but after I got my, uh, M1, I made it a point to go and practice it. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the reasons I got the bike was to uh, commute on it, and I knew that I would be using low-speed maneuvers, and I knew I wasn't really good at it. And prior to that, I was looking at uh, Jim Khanna videos where people mm-hmm. were doing the uh, competition. Oh, those guys you know. really suck. Yeah, they <laughs> totally suck. And so I uh, started doing the lolly, uh, the heel on my own, just to get adept at it. Mm-hmm. So... I uh, went, went through the internet to learn uh, a lot of stuff about how on the interwebs, the rear, inter- interwebs uh, <laughs> dragging the rear brake and cheating by using second gear and, and you know all this business. So, mm-hmm. totally, Liza. What was your question you had? I already. So forgot. I want to know what was the biggest fear going in. For some people, it's high speed. For some people, it's oh, heck yeah, gravel roads, maybe. <laughs> leaves. Everyone has something It was leaves. Sam leaves. Oh. So I want to see what it was for everyone here. What's the most intimidating? Like, Faye, start with you. Uh, well, for me, like the first time when I rode on the roads, um, I was actually quite scared when a car put, like was behind me. And then I was at the, the start of the red light. And like it didn't hit me until I was in that position where I was like, it's quite scary for a car to be, you know, right behind you, and then yeah. when you you have that pressure of like you're like shit, please don't stop, please don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> and, then yes. and then they start honking at you. Right? <laughs> the first time I rode um, on the road was from like High Street Church to my school, and then on the way out there was a stop sign, so I stopped. And then there was like a line of traffic behind me because I was going quite slow on the way out. <laughs> and then already I was like. <laughs> So I was like At the start I was like Okay let's just go And then suddenly I just stall And then I just like You know like, like You just like Start to panic And then I don't know What I did But then the next moment My bike dropped And then like The students looking at me And then I was like oh, no. Thank god I'm wearing a helmet <laughs> <laughs> Did this really happen, or was this a bad dream? <laughs> it was the very first time I rode on the roads, and then after that, that time I think I took like a one week break from riding. <laughs> and then Doug was like asking, "So how's your riding?" I was like, oh, "I haven't been riding for a while." He's like, "Are you spooked?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> that was yeah. that was like the day after we we bought the bike, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was for me. <laughs> Zach, what's your biggest intimidating factor when you first started? Um. Honestly, it was being able to operate all of uh, everything correctly mm. and like being on the road and being able to stop in time, turn like cuz for a while it feels like the bike bike rides you in a way, you know, you kind of it doesn't feel totally natural and you kind of 
the bike jerks you around a lot because you don't have total control of it. And I think that was probably my biggest fear was that that was going to lead to getting into a sketchy situation before I could really figure out how to control my speed and how much braking power I had. So you basically recognize that uh, you didn't have the muscle memory to operate yeah. this kind of machinery, which is which is pretty cool. Most people don't get that. Most people don't recognize that. <laughs> Megan, what was your biggest fear? Um, my biggest fear, I remember the first time I brought my bike home, the very first day I rode it back, I think from the garage, I locked up the rear because oh. someone stopped in the middle of the road in front of me and I locked up the rear. And for some was reason... Douglas? <laughs> and for New. some reason that was always locking up the rear was always really frightening to me and I was really good at it for a while I just I stomped on that rear brake really hard and it wasn't until I went dirt biking for the first time that I actually like learned like eh, I think I can handle this um, but yeah I, I it, the car stopped right in front of me and I locked it up and I couldn't stop in time and I had to go into opposing traffic lane to get around the car uh, because they just I don't know why they stopped to this day I have no idea and I just like kept going on my way so I, I don't know how I crashed but I recovered and so yeah that was my biggest fear it's kind of specific I uh one of mine was was using too much front uh I was always afraid that I was gonna lock up the front wheel like in a turn I was like you can't do that that went against everything that I knew about physics uh it was just locking up which the front. was nothing which was nothing <laughs> exactly especially especially uh, motorcycle physics so uh, that took a while to overcome and trust the front wheel uh, for me it was uh, I don't know I wasn't I, I got the bike and then for a week I wasn't really afraid I was just kind of like wow this is awesome and then what really spooked me was how people just randomly change direction mm. in a car or yeah. a truck yeah um, I was going over the uh, Water Street Bridge and uh, this work truck just turned left in front of me like mm -hmm. maybe 40 yards down the road but I didn't see it coming so I locked the rear mm -hmm. and fishtailed a little bit and I was like oh my god like what the hell and then it took like a, a few months to like calm down when I was like passing cars or I saw somebody that might be turning left it was people being erratic and then you hit a van on 17 and then I hit a, yeah, a few months later I hit a van on 17 <laughs> that was turning left it was turning left yeah <laughs> shit Antonio do you remember your fears uh, actually I do uh as far as the riding of the motorcycle, the operating of it, there wasn't anything there that really concerned me. What did concern me was the financial aspect of how was I going to afford yeah. all the things that I need to ride that's, a motorcycle, including the motorcycle itself. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, was, I was actually a bit worried about that. You know, I wasn't making a whole lot of money and uh, everything just seemed expensive. You walk into a motorcycle store, oh, you know, you want to buy a jacket. How much is that jacket really going to cost you? That's, you know, 60 bucks, right? And no. you're like, ah, that'll be about $360 before tax. Yeah. And you're like, what about the pants? Like, we, haven't even, we haven't talked about shoes yet. <laughs> you, get, you get the coolest looking thing first. That's like a $700 helmet. And yeah. just the jeans and t-shirt. Well, <laughs> fingerless, fingerless clothes. Fingerless. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, so I had a... I, but, you know, the, the nice thing was, was I got it out there to a lot of my friends that uh, I wanted to start riding motorcycles. And um, deals started coming my way. You know, hey, I, uh, there's this motorcycle over here. Uh, it hasn't run for 10 years. If you can get it running, you can have it. Um, you know, I've got a helmet that you can borrow for a little while so you can afford one. Uh, uh, someone donated me uh, a two-piece set of leathers. They rolled flat-tracking leathers, actually, um, until I could afford, you know, proper, you know, 
suit and, and, and such. So it, it kind of worked out. Uh, when I first started writing, I think the thing that borderline scared me the most was telling my parents that I was writing. <laughs> that was yeah. really frightening. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. And then beyond that, it was my driveway. I have a very janky, steep uh, gravel and leaf driveway, basically. And I got over my fear really quickly on that because I dumped my bike pretty quickly. And not only did I dump it, I dumped it twice because dumping it once is for bitches. <laughs> <laughs> if it's worth doing, it's worth it's doing, doing again. Exactly. Yeah. Would you say you got over your fear or it sensitized you more to that? Um, I think it startled me in the fact that I hadn't really had any close calls before that. And I had been riding on street and I hadn't any, had any close calls to dumping it at all. And then just to have it go like swoop right out from under me and just to be like, oh shit, I'm on the ground. Oh shit, there's gravel like scraping my brand new helmet. <laughs> and then like trying to take my helmet off and my bike leaks out of the top of the gas tank when it goes over. So I was trying to like not cause my bike to go up in like an incendiary fireball and trying to like lift it and take my helmet off. And then some dude in a Tesla drove by and he's like, do you need some help? And I'm like, God, why did you have to drive? by now you have to be so cute wasn't he super cute he was he was obscenely obscenely hot and he was driving a tesla and i was like shit where did he take you he didn't he helped me lift my bike and then i had to like left yeah yeah because i had to like waddle it up my hill next time limp a little yeah no i was wow i I was like use some dinner Too busy crying over my matte helmet. I'm never buying a matte helmet <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, that's why you yeah, never buy a matte black helmet. Yeah, but it was really cheap, so I guess that's okay. It, yeah. it was like a showy. And every I got single it fingerprint like... will show up on yeah. a matte black helmet. Every single scratch. Yeah, no, never. I'm again. thinking about just taking sandpaper to it and just giving it that finish so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I have never heard that approach before. I have got to hit up some of my friends about that. Just, just sandpaper the rest of your helmet now. It'll be fine. Yeah, no. <laughs> if it's going to go over really well. Once again, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's time for something, guys. I think it's time for our Craigslist porn pick, pick of, of the, the week. week. Yay! It's like Pee-wee's playhouse of the word of the day. Oh. So, uh, Megan. We have a menage a trois of porn picks tonight. We I got think. a three-way yeah. dueling that, that's a porn a pick of beginner bikes. And we raised the, the, we usually do under $500, but we raised it this time just because, you know, to what a beginner should pay. Um, so I'll start and then so we've got three of them and you guys can pick who found the best beginner deal okay Mm -hmm. I found a KLR 250 a 95 KLR 250 for $900 Uh, cat that would be a good bike for you I know right (laughs) where is Uh, that 20,000 miles needs some care runs needs a top end tune up blah 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 um it's uh, seen Canada and Oregon. It's smooth enough to be a commuter. Uh, it's just a good all-around bike. Can can do dirt, city, anything you want. Of course, for people with the T-Rex legs. <laughs> I just need so to much. get stilts. I just need to get stilts. Platform shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could go 90s. Oh. 70s. 
70s? Yeah. I had some in the 90s. So. <laughs> well, the 70s, 70s came back in the 90s a bit. So. Yeah, they're like deck shoes, right? That's I think that's what they were called. I recommend you get the ones that have like fish inside them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get you, sucker. <laughs> Kat, what did you find? Um, oh, wait. How much was your the KLR? $900, $900. KLR250 running. Oh, but you haven't heard the best part. What? It's got a purple frame. Ooh. Ooh. Sick. Hot. That's something it jicks a rider with. So <laughs> I found a 1996 Kawasaki Vulcan 250. Ooh, uh, it comes with two brand new tires and two matte black helmets. <laughs> <laughs> For you to sandpaper this shit up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and it is a bike? whopping $675. <laughs> okay. Is it like beat or what? No, it looks it looks like pristine. It's it's well, it's in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, Those tires oh. could be hiding some damage too. Kentucky positioned against yeah. the bike. Yeah. We went to the three different cities. Uh, okay, uh, I guess mine is next. It's uh we're looking at Brunswick, Ohio here. And what I have is a 2006 GS500 for $2,000. Um, I know, it seems a little steep, but shut up for a second. <laughs> have, have my 2006 Suzuki GS500F for sale. Great starter bike. Only 5,600 miles. Uh, 50 miles a gallon. Summer's around the corner. And new spark plugs, clean carbs, great bike. Now, uh, it seems like a really relatively higher price, but I think for 2000 bucks as a starter bike, uh, GS500, something you could kind of go into, and if you wanted to, you could flip it for 1500 or you could keep it, and it's a 2006. I think it's a pretty decent deal. I'd agree I mean, with that. For, yeah. for a first-time bike, and you know it's going to work mostly, you know... We only require things to mostly work so, around yeah. here. Antonio, <laughs> since you are the instructor here, you get to pick the winner. Oh, uh, okay. So the KLR was KLR one. Yours was what again? Uh, Vulcan. The Vulcan two fifty. Vulcan two fifty, and then the GS five hundred. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the GS five hundred on that one. Um, At two thousand dollars? Yes. Well, see, what I would do is it's it's not a two thousand dollar bike. I, I I'm pretty sure that you can walk up to the person. Um, I mean, how many times have you have you walked up, uh, checked out a motorcycle, and it doesn't start? You know, that, as soon as I call a person and tell them I'm interested, I tell them I want to see the bike on this day and I want the engine dead cold when I get there. You start up the bike and they're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really start. Don't know what that's all about. And you're like, oh, that's that's probably pretty bad. <laughs> that, that's not good. It's it's definitely a plugged pilot jet. And that's going to that's oh, that's hard. You know, and, and you knock them down about you know, $500. But you don't tell because, them what the problem is, right? You don't tell them what the problem is. You know, I, I'm sure it's, you know, you probably, you know, sucked a valve or something like that. You don't tell them that you pulled the spark plug cap off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that that bike right there, you could probably walk up to them and, and, and you know, talk them down to, you know, 1500 Who knows? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, there's, there's no picture on this. There's probably something that you can uh, look at. The chain might be rusty, you know, knock it down another hundred-something dollars. Um, but that, that would probably be my bike. Remind yeah, good me. point. I think we, we all had good representatives of different bikes. I, I, did, I totally disagree, though, because, mm. like, your I, you said your initial fear was financial stuff. Mm. If I spend $2,000 on a bike, I yeah. what am I... 
I'm gonna need a helmet. But I, I didn't say two thousand dollars. I, I know, said but that, still, if I could spend nine hundred or six hundred dollars, that leaves me more room. To yeah, but they gear. might need work. Yeah, yeah. Every so motor goes by like thousand dollars. I mean, so does the bike. This two thousand dollars, it might need yeah. work too. Who fucking knows? Just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's more reliable. This guy learned how to wheelie on his GS five hundred. Yeah, was selling it for two grand. Yeah, someone like Lucas, you know, wheelie the ring just seated and you got extra power there. Yeah, definitely the compression numbers are good actually, the, so your argument I don't believe actually stands up um, yes I don't believe that you know just because someone prices a motorcycle higher it's better but uh, if a if a motorcycle is priced so low that you're thinking wow that's cheap I, I need to go pick that up generally you're gonna find some issues in it um, and probably not even the first week that you get it maybe a couple months down the road you find oh wow that that's you know that this this part is broken or screwed up and I'm gonna have to replace that and that's gonna cost me a lot of money um, generally, when motorcycles, when they're asking more, um, yes, there's always going to be something wrong with it. But with the slightly higher priced ones, you know, hopefully it's not going to have, you know, like a, a, a bent rod or something like that. Or, yeah, it's a I'll, 2006, I'll, man. You I'll know? agree. That's a good bike. And it's like a sporty traditional. So it is a good bike. Great beginner bike. If it was and my if, first bike, I wouldn't wouldn't buy it. I'd probably no. go with the KLR. Yeah. Of the KLR three, is a great bike, too. That's what I would do. Even if I had 1500 bucks, I'd still go And with even the with the fucking purple frame, I would still go, I think, with the KLR. I don't know. Just to allow some, <laughs> some more room for, <laughs> yeah. for gear. And, and that bike is also easy to maintain, too. So the KLR yeah. definitely doesn't suck for that. What else who, we got? Okay, who had uh, who had? Did anyone crash within the first couple of months of riding? <laughs> I actually yeah. crashed yeah. in the first ride. Your first ride? Yeah. Okay. I started out at Bonnie Dune at the top of Bonnie Dune, my buddy's house near a winery, and we were gonna have breakfast on Seventeenth Street, and uh, <laughs> we pulled over for something, and it was a gravel uh, side. The side of the road was gravel, and I hit the front brake hard, mm-hmm. and I just I kind of pulled over and just. <laughs> straight to the dope but uh, i got back on it when had breakfast and rode the bike home and i was all nervous and shaky yeah and for some reason I, being the idiot that i am i said okay i, I now now i have to ride now, now i gotta <laughs> learn how to ride <laughs> what constitutes a crash like does it does dumping it constitute See, not, not in my mind not dropping not really. it pigs hit the ground and it's not because you're turning that hard then <laughs> <laughs> no yeah you know megan because i crashed one I went to go pick up my first bike when I was 17 on the freeway. Yeah. That's a crash and, to me. Like, And then as soon as I got out of the hospital a couple hours later, I went and picked it up off the <laughs> the side of the freeway and rode it home <laughs> without a helmet. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's why I wanted to ask people about the whole fears because I don't remember being afraid. Like, I just needed to ride. That was in my DNA, to ride. Uh, yeah, me neither. I was way too dumb to have any fear <laughs> of anything. I was like, oh, I'm going for this. This shit is awesome. I'm opening the throttle. Hell yeah. I was. I, I have way more fears now than I did then. That was going to be my follow-up question is, as you've written more, have you learned that there's more to be afraid of? Um, right now, for me, my greatest fear, this sounds really hokey, is not being able to ride uh, in, when I get older. You yeah. know, like just getting old and having mm-hmm. complications and not being able to have that sensation sensation of being able to ride. And so, yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, for me, um, I remember hearing people talk about left turners and stuff and being like, oh, I, you know, I'd be able to see them. As a, and after like being out in the road and seeing people like, oh, if they came out, I have, oh, my, 
oh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and realizing like how bad that actually is and how dangerous situation that actually is i mean i also for me like my biggest fear often comes from like my own like confidence in a way yeah you know i realized this riding home at like two o'clock in the morning there's no cars on the road and i'm like riding down standing on my seat like oh this is easy and i'm like <laughs> okay all right time to chill out about that Time to chill out about that. I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> and by left turners, are you referring to the well-known fact that the greatest cause of motorcycle, I believe, fatalities yes. is when uh, people in vehicles uh, turn left in front of motorcycles? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. yes. They cross the lane that you're in. Yes. You, you think that, you know, you, you would see them. You're like, oh, I'd see them. Or they see. And then it's when mm -hmm. you realize, like, you know, you're going 40 and you're passing someone and they, it looks like they might see you, and you're like, oh, if they pulled out, I'd be screwed right now. And you really realize, like, what what that would actually be. Yeah, cover your controls and watch your lane position. Yeah. Anticipate it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have a funny story, if you don't mind. Sure, just put on your clown nose. Okay. <laughs> can, you, can you see the clown nose now? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> I, I had a student that was in the class, and he was he was trying to make the argument that he could react quick enough to deal with a lot of things on the road, and so you know, <laughs> nope, no, no, it, it was perfect because you know it was a hot day. We were at uh, a Sonoma Raceway, and uh, they were sitting down in front of me at about maybe ten feet away, and uh, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to show you know just how real it is. So with this water ball that I'm holding in my hand while I'm talking to him. <laughs> not skipping a beat while I'm talking to him I throw it at him and he couldn't catch it I mean it hit him <laughs> so I hit him with a water bottle and everybody else in the class kind of looked at him like really <laughs> so yeah he and he just kind of he kind of got it at that moment you could see it he's like oh but I wasn't in race mode yeah, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have the quarter have turn throttle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing is you're riding and and you have those moments that you're just you're you're just riding, but you're not necessarily you know maybe anticipating or I don't know you're doing shopping in your head or something like that. Yeah, I think too the first after a couple months or like maybe a couple thousand miles, a lot of new riders get really fucking cocky. Yeah. Too. And sure. the overconfidence thing. <laughs> the, over, the overconfidence thing is, I think, Jigsaw. more dangerous than anything else. Yeah. Does anyone have it? I mean, has anyone else experienced that? I know I definitely. Did. I got it. Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I low sided because of that. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, I was leaving a friend's house, and uh, it was after a party. I was not drinking. <laughs> just want to clarify that. Um, it was wet outside. You wouldn't have crashed if you were drunk. And, uh, just saying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was wet outside, and I gassed it too hard, whiskeyed the throttle. So yeah, that, I was making noise, yeah. trying to show off. <laughs> yeah, I see a bunch of riders like to getting like swerving in and out of cars and stuff, and it's like there's a time and a place for everything, and that's not always at five o'clock traffic on a Friday when everyone wants to go home. So when or... is the time and place for weaving in and out of stuff? I don't know, John. Traffic? You tell me. Oh, passing cars left and right. Because <laughs> you think the time and place for weaving in and out of stop traffic would be when there's stop traffic on the freeway. <laughs> 
I don't even want to talk to you, John. <laughs> Everybody understands the gist of that, though, right? What Megan's yeah. talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think being cocky yeah, can kill just being you an as ass. much as being comfortable can, too, though. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it, like that. I think part of the reason people tend to get into smash-ups, like, their first two years is because... It, there's that peak of like, okay, I'm scared, and they're like, okay, but now I get it, and we're fine, and then you get comfortable, and it happens just like that. I think well, so. there's also playing just not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I ran into that one yeah. majorly. I was on going home from the garage, and I was stuck behind this person who was going 15 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone, and I wasn't intimidating them or anything, because I was, like, chilling, looking at my tire, and I was, like, leaning over my bike, looking at how it spins, and I was, like, completely focused on that, and they ended up pulling over to let me go, and I was focused enough that I knew that they were pulling over, and they used their blinkers, which was really nice, and everything like that, and... I went to go and they didn't pull all the way off the road so I kind of had to give it some oomph and I gave it some oomph right into a corner and almost went straight through the corner because I hit gravel and I was like, oh God, I'm oomphing when I should have un- <laughs> Yeah, it, it scared the bejesus out of me and I was like, oh God, no, what if I don't know how to do this? And that kind of knocked me down a peg too. And that was within the first three weeks of me riding. I I got that little like, oh, I can do this. And then I was like, oh, shit, no, I can't. Don't think that. Like, think the trees are going to come out and get you because eventually one's going to fall on you, especially where I live. (laughs) Yeah, I've always thought like um, in in the context of street riding, patience is something that you could always keep working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can go really fast, really quickly, and and it's very tempting to do so. So. Oh, go for it. Go ahead. Go. Uh, the the monkey see monkey do thing. I, I when I was first started riding, I rode with a lot of people that were much better than me, and I still do ride with people that are much better than me. And it, it took a while of 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 learning and, and self discipline to not try to go as fast or you know not try to take corners as as low and and really not be too worried about falling back because I knew everybody I was riding with was totally understood that you need to ride within your own skill set. So it was it was really just holding back and, and watching and trying to do things that the faster riders were doing but still with a, a level of discipline so I think it's really easy too to get into a bad headspace trying to keep up with bad uh, with fast riders mm-hmm. and then um, it's it I lost my train of thought I'm sorry left I'm the like, station <laughs> folks <laughs> let me let me pick up on that then just just to save you okay. by the way this is a different microphone am I am I coming through okay yeah, yeah okay. I don't know. so uh, when I first started racing, uh, that was actually really good for me because I hadn't really crashed before that. And in racing, you know, I, I started crashing and I started actually crashing a lot, actually. Um, it was supermoto, so it wasn't, you know, a big deal. You just go to your bike, kick it, get back on the line. But it kind of taught me that with all the street riding that I'm doing, and I got pretty aggressive, it taught me just how close to the line that I was actually getting without knowing it. And in racing, I allowed myself to go over that line, but I didn't realize that I was so close that whole time. Um, and it was kind of a wake-up call that, my God, all that street riding I could have done, I could have hit the deck and slid out. And, you know, being at, crashing at the track, you realize just how much runoff you use up sliding along on the ground. And you do that in the street, and you're thinking, wow, guardrails, trails, other yeah. cars, cliffs. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so it was, it was a good wake-up call for me. So I got a general question for people because <clears throat> this topic comes up when we're just talking 
in the garage, but is the MSF worth it? For mm. all the people here, does it give you more experience or does it give you more confidence? And can I do, add to that question too? You can, but that's what I want to know. Is the MSF, has it been worth it for all and of you? And my addition to that question is, do you think the lollipop pop is a, is that a valid test? Should you get your motorcycle license based on doing a circle and slaloming some cones or dots? I think yes, yes, definitely the MSF is worth it. I'm, I did it, and I feel like it gave me a much more solid foundation for my skills than, you know, tooling around in a parking lot around a you know slalom and a lollipop is gonna whatever do. Um, just in teaching me how how everything works and moves. Um, however, I mean, you know, I think the lollipop test could be a a, a good example of skill, especially since it's judged more by whether or not you're in control of the bike and less so whether or not you can navigate the lines. Yeah, successfully. I have a different idea of what of what they're looking for now yeah. because of what we did today. Exactly. So yeah, I, I used to think that the lollipop test was bullshit, but now that actually doing it, knowing how they actually judge. But yeah, it's, it's it's valid enough. That combined with the written test to know how you are in traffic, I guess. Yeah, to a I certain think extent, it, it shows um, what kind of initiative you have as a person. And if you're a lifelong rider, I'd imagine you want to be good at it. And so maybe maybe doing the lollipop is the first step of you know practicing and and getting adept at your skills or whatever. So since no one spoke about spoke up about is it worth it or not? Is there anyone here here who doesn't think it's worth it? Because I think most people do. I, is there anyone here who doesn't think? Because Kat, you had an opinion we were talking about earlier. I had a really conflicted opinion about it. Yeah, I gained information from it. Was it worth the sheer amount of time that I had to spend there? And the fact that everyone at the MS, at MSF course was misinformed about actual California law regarding uh, permit to licensing for underage uh, writers, uh, that really soured the whole thing for me. That they Can you explain what that so is? I took the MSF course for the pure fact that I wanted to get my license, and I am under 21 years old. And for under 21 year old writers, you have to take the MSF course in California to receive a license or even a permit, actually. So I took the course. It took them about a month and a half to send me the paperwork afterwards, which was inconvenient in itself. And then I go to get my permit and license uh, because I already had my permit from preliminary MSF paperwork. Uh, so I go to get my license and out of nowhere, after being told by everyone for months that I was going to be able to get my license, uh, I was told that there was a little part in the DMV handbook, like literally an inch by inch wide that said, you have to have your permit for six months uh, before getting your license if you're under 21 years old. And no one knew about that. I asked multiple times because I didn't want to waste my time and my money and I ended up spending 150 bucks on something that I could have done when I was more in a financial uh like yeah. They told me that at MSF though. They said that like it's going to take 6 months. Oh, because like they I asked them specifically. I'm like, "Look, I'm underage. I want to do this because I want to get my license." And they said, "Oh yeah, you can get your license right after this." As, as far as the as far as the writing portion, what do you do you feel that like you took away something from that um, or could you just ah, we whatever we covered that in the parking lot here? I feel like I definitely learned more from you. <laughs> 
But uh, as far as polishing skills, clutch control was something that I had not polished at all. And after that course, I really felt like I had more clutch control. And it's also a test in patience as a rider, uh, having to deal with people who haven't ridden at all, getting over that fear. And you're in a position where you're like, oh, okay, I got this. And then watching them go through it, it's really an enlightening situation is like, oh, I want to help these people instead of being like, oh, they're taking forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of like, I want to help them get to a confident area. So it also kind of takes you back from being like, just I want to go, I want to do this, I want to go fast, I want to I want to do what I want to do, to kind of bringing it back to like, oh, I, I want to better myself and others in the same breath. Faith. Hey. What about you? You just took it like last month, right? Yeah, I did. Um, definitely, it was like really helpful for me. Uh, even though it was like two, like half days of riding, but like it was really like compact because you did like almost four hours straight of riding, and like that really made a difference. Like even when I went out, <laughs> <laughs> you got the cat behind you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just felt more confident, and um, because everyone there who who took the course, they they just took it that you're a new rider, so they really start from the basics, right? And I explain everything to you. So yeah, definitely, I would recommend it. Yeah, to that's people. good. That's good. Well, I I think that um, what everyone needs to keep in mind with things like the MSF and the doing the DMV lollipop and such uh, is that th- this is the very basics of motorcycle control yeah. and handling, and you you need you need to remember that it's it's motorcycle elementary school. You know, this is this is a lifelong motorcycle kindergarten. This is literally a lifelong learning experience. Get to you know? master your uh, way through a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got to back that up for sure. Um, I'm sorry, were you done? Uh, no, no, you can keep going. Okay, yeah, I, I I second that completely. Um, I like to think that I've been riding for a little while and I've learned a lot of things. Um, but yet, you know, um, for instance, um, well, let me back up. The, the MSF course, yes, it's a really good beginner uh, class. I don't teach MSF, but I've taken both their classes. I don't think they do a two-tier system anymore, but um, I think that education is a constant thing. Start with the MSF. I, hopefully, a motorcyclist will have the initiative to also do the lollipop and and learn how to do the lollipop correctly. Um, I think both of those are a good way to get your fundamentals. Um, and then you move on from there, you know, whether it's uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, finding other reputable sources of information to doing track days, which is an excellent way to learn, especially if it's a, an instructional environment. Um, I, I teach for road rider. Uh, I'm sorry, Z2 track days. And, Here comes uh, the prom- self-promotion. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, if you want to, you know, keep your, your education going, once you've done the MSFs and, and all that, you know, take it to the racetrack. It's a, it's incredible, incre- incredibly responsible environment with medics on staff, people in the corners watching, flags ready to go if and there's no any instance, traffic. No traffic. No road hazards. No cops. <laughs> you know, lots of runoff if you have an issue. Everyone's going um, the same direction. <laughs> and with, with, with the right with the right organization, for instance, Z2 is a very didactic environment where this we really push instruction. If you want to come out and turn and burn tires, that's one thing. That's that's fine. But we like to instruct people and and at all levels. So we have courses for, for people that are, you know, uh, maybe not quite ready to do a track day. They just want to learn more on their motorcycle, but they're not quite, you know, maybe they're a little bit new. Um, all the way to, you know, 
racers that are that are doing AMA, they want to come out and just get some practice in. Um, so you know, it's it's a continuing thing. Education is something that that uh, never runs out. For instance, I uh, uh, just finished two full seasons uh, with a major 636. I thought I did rather well. I took second in my championship this Woo! last season, right? Woo! So I'm thinking, you know, after doing something like that, I would normally think, you know, oh wow, I, I must feel pretty good about myself. In in fact, I'm taking this season off because I need to I need to learn how to ride a motorcycle. Is what that season taught me. Hmm. It, it was a very interesting thing how it all finished up, um, and I got through that season realizing I need to to take some time off and learn how to ride. If you want some one-on-one, I'm, I'd be happy. I, I appreciate that. That'd, that'd be really great. <laughs> just just to kind of add to what you're saying, uh, you, you're talking about going out and taking road racing schools and such uh, that help you learn how to turn on a sport bike, uh, but there are myriad other methods of learning how to ride motorcycles quickly and be in better control because after you do that now you think about riding dirt bikes taking motocross classes flat track racing classes antonio do you consider getting a trials bike to make you a better enduro rider because that could probably teach you more skills than anything else right now i think everybody anybody that that has been racing for a while especially uh, if they did a a handful of, of dirt um knows that getting a trials bike is going to be one of the great ways to learn how to control the motorcycle the balance that it takes um yeah, I want the, the pivot skills turn, man pivot turn a big yeah, ass I mean, bike yeah trial, so i think a trials bike would be a, a bike. would be amazing yeah i mean quite, quite literally what everyone's uh kind of been stoked on the last few years with motorcycle racing has been the hard enduros like the Erzberg rodeo mm-hmm. where people are literally trying to take dirt bikes over eight foot wide boulders and shit like this <laughs> that stuff's so cool the, the guys that succeed at this stuff are all trials riders who they then put got put on a motocross bike you know and now all of a sudden they're you know the greatest off-road riders in the world who are literally beating the crap out of (laughs) ama motocross champions and legends you know so i don't know i'm just plugging that right now for some reason (laughs) john used to ride trials for anyone curious I wouldn't say I used to or was any good at it. So I got... beat Dick, Dick Man. That's his claim to fame. <laughs> uh, yes, I beat uh, Grand National, AMA Grand National Champion Dick Man. You can look him up on the internet. Yeah. I kicked his oh, ass. Dick you have, to, you have to log on to the internet that, first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the that's internet. my claim to fame that I, I beat an, a, a Motorcycle Hall of Fame legend yes. and one of the greatest motorcycle ride, riders of all time. I, uh, I when he was dick, 90 <laughs> Oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> Somebody said you beat a dick man. And you totally misunderstood. Um, I'm curious. What I beat the... my dick man every day. Every day. So I got a question for the noobs because I'm looking around at everyone here. There's a lot of people here who I've known since they started riding, and they're already on their second or third bike. So for those of you, Faye, Cat, Rebecca, Zach, you're still on your first bike. Yes. Most people outgrow their bike pretty soon and then buy a second bike. Not saying when it's going to happen. What do you think your next bike will be? What do you already have your eyes set on? I haven't decided yet. Supermoto. I really like the (laughs) Supermoto. But I I, I mean, in truth, I really like my Shadow, too. Um, I mean, I wouldn't get anything that was more cruisery than it. No one says you have to have just one. I would get something more sporty than that if I wanted to go that way. But them Supermotos... Yeah, oh. <laughs> they're onto something, huh? <laughs> What's the right number of motorcycles to have, Doug? It's just one N more. Plus N plus one. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, how about you? Have you already kind of been looking out for 
the Not next bike? Not really. Um, maybe I would go up to a higher CC or ride a 250, but what I love about the 250 and is when... You're I, on the Nighthawk 250 It's a Nighthawk right? 250, okay. yeah. What I love about it is that on the random occasions that it drops on the ground, I can pick it back up all, all by myself. I flip up the kickstand and I push the bike, and I'm not a very big person. So that's really awesome for me that uh, if I'm... That's a... Yeah. yeah it's, awesome. like, it's all leverage, though. I mean, like, you could pick up a 500cc if you just did it. Maybe you could pick up a 500cc. Sure <laughs> I have faith in you. The, the, one, so the one thing I've noticed about this girl over here is that other people tell her something and she figures it out on her own better than they do. Yeah. <laughs> Becca, one thing you need to know is women don't ever have to pick up a motorcycle. No, we don't. Ever. Unless, Unless gasoline is pouring yeah, out of your tank. Amen. Gasoline yeah. pours out Hello. of my tank. So, Unless you're at the bottom of a driveway and, and there's no one around. <laughs> so Kat, even though you're wrong, what is your next bike going to be? Uh, I'd like a dual sport or a just more something more upright. I don't like a supermoto? You have it. I do not have the money for a supermoto, so no. I, I have the same policy with like hair products and makeup. I don't try something I know I'm going to want if it's too expensive. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to look, don't touch. All right. And Faye, what do you think your next bike will be? Um, I think I'll stick to the Ninja, but like a uh, bigger CC one. Maybe a 650. I don't know. Is that appropriate? <laughs> Once you, I mean, there's a long way to go on a Ninja 250. You can you can ride that thing yeah, your, the, your entire riding I career. About Kevin, mean mean dad, mean dad, <laughs> yeah. fucking railing the shit out of a Ninja it was a 250. CBR 250. And, or 250, yeah. And hey, Faye, we'll tell you when you're ready, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when they will Ninja tell you. Are trust really me, they will tell you. Yeah. They, they race capable. the crap out yeah. of them. I was just gonna say, there's a reason why they race those things. Yeah. Yeah. I only got that bike to go slower, and he just was telling everybody, <laughs> <laughs> "Hero, the guy's a hero." Yeah. I mean, that was why I was really glad that I got a 500 rather than a 250. Is that I, you know I don't. F- feel like I, I can kind of find its limitations but they're far enough out where i can still have fun on it and not feel held back so i don't i don't think i need like I, I don't feel the need for a new bike anytime soon really um my my kind of rule of thumb at the time i decided i was going to start riding bigger bikes was when i felt like i was going to blow the poor thing up because i was wringing its neck everywhere it was time to get something a little faster I don't know if that helps anybody. I feel like that's, I mean, definitely subjective for the bike, too, because I have a a 250, uh, and Faye has a 250, and they are very different bikes, and their top speeds are very different. My bike is, like, struggling super hard at 65 because it's just not all there. (laughs) And so it's definitely, like... to judge a bike based on CCs as well is just not a good way to do it. Um, oh, sure. That's, that's a horrible idea. Yeah, that's so excellent point. that's kind of what I came into thinking. I'm like, oh, all 250cc bikes are the same. And then I'm like, wait a minute. My bike can only go 62. Why can his go faster? <laughs> and I think that's also because it might have a bent frame, but... <laughs> 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 Details. Yeah, definitely oh, different. <laughs> to, to answer your question, though, Faye, yeah, yeah, a 600 or 650 is a perfect step up once you master the, the 250. Have you looked at the Ninja 500s, 650, though? Yeah, the Ninja 500s. Yeah. I love the 500s. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those things are bulletproof yeah. and they run forever and yeah. they're, they're uh, nice and light. They actually make decent power. 
I mean, I, you get up to the RPMs, and, and yeah, I found that they, they, they do sound like sewing machines. I did, but, <laughs> I did faster um, laughs. Unless you put a muzzy exhaust, and then they sound like, would, would he please just go away? <laughs> Angry lawnmower. I did faster lap times on a Ninja 500 at Thunderhill than I did on an SV1000 on the same day. <laughs> I think lots of people are really eager to get rid of like their beginner bikes, but like I can I can tell why because I rode an Ninja 250 a few times. I'm like, fuck, this thing's slow. <laughs> it's really slow. But if you're going in the hills, you know you can go really fast because it's really flickable and it teaches you how to corner really well because it's so forgiving. You're willing to take more risks and uh, you know be a little bit more aggressive uh, without risking any you know anything more than you're comfortable with. And uh, but plenty of people are just like, nah, this thing's slow. I want a faster bike. And it's harder to learn on a bigger bike. Like John said, you know, it's not the bike; it's the rider. And if you're you know better at riding a bike that's smaller because it's more forgiving you're going to be more consistent you're going to be faster and you'll learn better well you know that that's kind of a false argument too though because well i've always heard you know you put like a a thousand cc champion Mm -hmm. racer on a ninja 250 and he's going to smoke you when you're on your 600 and it's like oh well obviously you can't you're you you know you're not getting the most out of the bike but in certain situations, riding a ch- smaller bike can be kind of dangerous. You know, overriding a Ninja 250 is way more dangerous than having like a 600 where you have a little bit of extra suspension uh, capabilities and better tire tires when you're in the hills. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily go all the way down the road of saying that. Uh, you need to stick with this small bike until you're completely shredding it because you you know if you're riding them really hard uh, you're putting your putting that bike in a bad position sometimes I, I don't I don't know I, I don't want to get too far afield I wasn't but. really talking about like the technical aspects of it more or less because everyone knows that like a 600 cc super sport probably cost more and has like better components than like an g 50 but it's more or less boiling down to like you know if you're at your comfort zone you can push your limits a lot better, you know, than if you're not, because then you're just going to be making mistakes or, you know, getting scared or something like that. Sure. Well, cool. So um, John actually said something oh. that, that I, I would love to expand on. Do you, do you mind? Do we have sure, time? Go ahead. <laughs> go for so, it. So, John, you said that the same day you did, uh, uh, you had better lap times on a Ninja 500 than you did on the SV1000. Right. And why was that? Because I think that's a really great point for uh, people. Well, honestly, um, thinking about it, it was probably the setup of the bike. The The Ninja 500 was set up more as a race bike. It had aftermarket uh, triples on it, so it handled a little bit better. Uh, and it, the SV, I think, was a little janky with the setup. Uh, I think that that's primarily the reason um, that I was faster on the Ninja 500. Um, coupled with the fact that I felt like I could crank on the 500 more than i could on the sv um and it's lighter right uh i don't know if a ninja 500 is lighter than sv 1000 oh yes it is i I believe it is yeah it's a lot yeah ninja is about 374 pounds then it's a fair bit lighter yeah it's probably almost 100 pounds lighter i mean i had one at one point yeah but i mean we're talking about faster uh, better tires and everything on the on the sv uh the the other reason was it was the first time i was ever at thunder hill so i was spending a lot of my time learning the track and when i go out to try to learn a racetrack or like a motocross track or something i spend a lot more time say in one gear trying to maximize corner speed and less time trying to pull power out of the bike 
and uh, I'll spend my straightaways thinking about, you know, what happened the last lap. You know, and trying to set myself up better for the next turn this time, and I think that's probably why I was uh, another reason why I was faster on the Ninja uh, was that it uh, I wasn't really using the SV. Uh, okay. as so, hard so, as it could have but been. to the to the point that I was trying to make though, um, that that I, I think a lot of people don't realize is that you get on a bike with more power, and you're not necessarily going to go faster. Actually, it generally slows you down because on a bike that doesn't make as much power, it's self-limiting. So you can get into a turn and really crank on that throttle um, and have no issues. You're comfortable with the amount of power that's laying down. Uh, but people think that they get onto a bike that makes a lot of power and suddenly they're gonna go faster. And they get to that same turn and uh, they, they turn that throttle and that throttle on some bikes will go beyond the uh, how much traction they have. It's not quite as self-limiting. Um, you can actually turn that throttle beyond where you should and, and a lot of people don't understand that, uh, and, and they, they back off it quite a bit. Um, you know, also, more power makes the bike kind of more punchy and sensitive to input. So you go around a turn, and, and that forgiving bike, you know, you can stay on the throttle. That, that big bike, um, you might roll off a little bit and, and hesitate oh, a bit oh, more. Sure. And, you know, the thing is you're going into turns faster, so you grab the brakes sooner and you brake more harder than you would on the the smaller bike more harder slow down even more than than you <laughs> necessarily need to because you know you're like oh i need to slow way down you know instead of just take a little bit of speed off you know um i, I don't know there, there's a lot of reasons why bigger bikes are harder to ride but there's also the easy to ride factor you know, don't don't ever misconstrue the i or uh, forget the idea that a bike that's easier to ride is easier to ride, and it's you're gonna be able to go faster on it. Like a motard, they're so much easier to ride in the twisties that you're gonna carry big more speed, and you're gonna go way faster than you would on your sport bike. Anyway, well, does anything anybody else have anything they want to chime in? I just wanted to remind everyone to give us a call on our new voicemail. The <laughs> phone number is 831-291-5112. You can also go to the MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com website. We have it posted there. I want people to call in. Give us feedback. Tell us you're up the butt bike. Yeah, order and, a pizza. <laughs> don't order a pizza. Order, and, order a pizza through email. And, and we know. Liza, we take emails, too, so what's, email us. What's our email address? Recycle Motorcycle Garage at gmail.com. Where are these booty pics? I want to see the booty pics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where are they? Cat. It's not just me. Oh, yeah. yeah, we, yeah we got it. We're, we're trying honest. to, we're working on the we're scheduling. We got the booty pit. We got the booty shorts. Oh, I got to try those on. Yeah. yeah yes. Where are they? I try them know. on right now. Maybe we should just do it right now. No. Yep. No. Lucas has that. a video camera. No. Yeah, yeah let's do it. I, I, no. I vote for now. No. <laughs> <laughs> World star. World star. <laughs> well, cool. I think that's it for tonight. Oh, How uh, else can people reach us, one, Maggie? I got one thing to say. What? No. Uh, it's going to echo uh, Antonio and uh, what John said about this is a lifelong learning process um how awesome would your life be if you didn't constantly you know learn new things you oh know? god can so, i add one thing to that yeah i was sitting around with a friend of mine keith we've both been riding for a long time and we actually lamented 
the fact that we were no longer newbies because it <laughs> yeah. is so fun yeah, well, you got to keep uh, the bike. It is yeah. so fun trying to figure all this stuff out. And don't, you know, much like a kid that wants to be an adult, dude, don't give up your childhood because it doesn't get more fun. It just gets different. depressing. Well, here's the thing, this. though. Like, uh, there, there could be another argument to that too. <laughs> well, like I was saying, uh, it's a it's a lifelong thing. Um, try to, you know, I my goal is to ride until the day I die, if possible. You know, so there's gonna be always gonna be new things to learn. Trials, sport touring, fucking, you know, whatever. So we'll get you an upright scooter. Oh, there you uh, go. That, yeah. yes. that has four wheels, like in line, so you can't see them. You're <laughs> too blind by then. Yeah. Hey, Kat, since right we're taking Braille. this out, can you tell yeah. people also how to reach us? Oh God! Why did you pick me? I don't know this. Our Thank Facebook you, page, Recycle Santa Cruz. Our email, Recycle Motorcycle Garage at gmail.com. Our website, MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, and the number that lies Megan's said address: earlier. one two See, three. My <laughs> voice sounds suspiciously like Megan's, but it's still mine. Megan, what's our fax number? We have, we're not that tight. Oh, we don't have a fax. One eight hundred up your yeah. butt. What's your what? wow. number? Is that different from our Morse code? Yeah. <laughs> Reach us at Morse code dot dash dot dot dash dot dash dash dot. <laughs> Antonio. So I'd like to take an opportunity. Uh, so I do work with Z2 track days, and I figure if you guys are looking for education um, or just, you know, plain fun, I wanted to plug them real quick. Um, it's a great organization for, in, uh, for instruction. Um, we have uh, not only track days, you know, the, the regular A, B, and C groups, uh, which is an instructional environment all the way through without extra cost. Um, but we also have a course called Road Rider 2.0, which is for uh, novice riders to anybody that maybe is on the fence about doing a track day or just is you know not financially ready to do that. Um, and either way, what you get is a, is a full day of instruction um, and a whole lot of fun with a lot of really great people. And if you want more information on that, um, let us know. Otherwise, look for us on Z2 track day, Z2TrackDays.com. And the Road Rider 2.0 is, has a link on the top of that page as well. Where, where are you located? So, so we, we, we go to the track. So if you look at our schedule on our website, and our schedule is going to be up uh, hopefully in the next month or so. What part of California is are you operating? So, 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 so our Sonoma know, Raceway, Sonoma Thunder Raceway, Hill, okay, Northern California, uh, like that. Bay Area. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my cool. first uh, track day was with Z2, and it was awesome. Got the yeah. class and everything. It was great. Very, Very cool. instructional. Well, I wanted to thank everyone for coming out here, newbies, for coming by. I know we had a couple of first-time podcasters tonight, and Antonio for coming down uh, into Santa Cruz to hang out with us. Brap. <laughs> and um, I think we're out. This is Megan, and we've got Liza, John, Doug, you over there. Oh, uh, this is Knock. Yeah. This is Lucas. Uh, make sure you guys check out my uh, blog at lemonparty.org. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Dick. Do I really have to follow that? <laughs> no. This is Antonio. Thank you very much. I am Zach. Rebecca. <laughs> Moti. And don't listen to Lucas. <laughs> this is Kat. And really, really don't listen to Lucas. <laughs> Mason. Hey. And we're out. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs>